Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, so uh, Mr. Oster usually sends me what we call in the biz a rundown, an outline of what we're going to be discussing. And uh, when I saw who he had lined up as far as an interview, literally going across the pond that is the Atlantic Ocean I have been counting the moments, and that is just minutes away. But he's got a lot to get to in his opening comments. We'll get to him right now. But before we do, if you are the 10th caller at 412-922-1020, you win a gift certificate worth $25 from the great folks. Wishing all of you a happy Father's Day at Sorgles in Wexford. So a big day for you, Dad, on Father's Day. How are you, Doug? I'm doing good. Happy Father's Day to everybody, and happy Father's Day to you, Rob. Thank you. Uh, get Dad a cool plant. You still have time. <laughs> Cruise out after the show and get him something nice. Help him put it in the garden. But maybe more importantly, walk around the garden with Dad and listen a little bit. <laughs> listen to everything he has to say. Uh, listen, gotta... be honest now. You and I are part of the same generation. <laughs> Did you ever have a like friendly kumbaya moment around the garden with your dad your dad pretty much said you're doing it wrong okay exactly the same thing my dad said who taught you to cut grass okay come on rob we're in a different world now i know there is kumbaya (laughs) we're making s'mores around the fire in the backyard but you know i'll tell you maybe singing a folk song together yeah listen i'll just share this with you then this is your show so i'm going to just step back and i really am excited about your guest but i i have to tell you the common denominator of all my friends on and off the air over the last couple of days my generation and you're a part of that little younger obviously dads were wonderful they had our back they were supportive we loved them they were mentors But we have seen them change. Well, sadly, dad's no longer here, yours and mine. But with grandkids, they become everything that we wish sometimes they would have been with us. But it was a different time. But you will see yourself. I've always been a uh, kinder, gentler kind of guy when it comes to kids. So my grandkids are going to get what my kids got. But isn't it amazing how our dads did become a little different with grandchildren? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I think I've become a little different. Yeah, I was going to say that, but I didn't want to put you in that, you know, same category. (laughs) But I I can only imagine you as a doting grandfather, sir. Well, no doubt about it. I can't wait to uh, get her into the garden. It's going to be awesome. Well, we do have a different show today. If you have a question, call right now uh, because there's not going to be a lot of time to answer questions today because I've got Tanya Anderson of Lovely Greens on. She's the author of a book I love called A Woman's Garden. So if you've got a garden question you want it answered today, call me right now. And, Rob, you can interrupt me if somebody calls, 866-391-1020. You can win a copy of Tanya's book later in the show. 
Uh, later on, Mrs. Know-It-All, we'll talk about Rose Rosette disease, but Tanya lives on the Isle of Man, which is located in the Irish Sea between England and Ireland. And my whole life, <laughs> I heard about the Isle of Man because my great-grandfather uh, was from the Isle of Man. And I got a chance to go back and see the Isle of Man. Unfortunately, Tanya was off the island when we visited, but I visited with my brother to see this place where my grandfather was from. And, and with the help of Lots of people on the LMM. We were able to find my great-grandfather's grave and also the farm that he worked at, which still has the same name and uh, is still there in the same buildings. And so I'm so excited uh, to talk to Tanya about this book because it is pretty pretty amazing. Uh, and we'll get into that when we get into the show. But as I said, if you've got a garden question, give me a call in the morning right off the bat, 866-391-1020. If not, there's plenty to talk about. And first off, for all the deals, uh, you know, I've got a gig that I do every year with lilies. And so once those lilies at a, at a greenhouse stop blooming, they have to be marked down. They're very hard to sell that way. And I just got a whole bunch of them. And not only are you getting this mature bulb, but you're also getting one gallon worth of roots, uh, mature roots. And so the downside is you're going to be planting that now. And you're not going to see it bloom till this time next year. But that, since I've been doing this for years, all these lilies are starting to bloom now. And in my case, I have them in the vegetable garden, in a fenced-in vegetable garden, so the deer can't get them. Rabbits love lilies, too. If you've got a short lily and, and a rabbit can get to it, rabbits are going to eat it. Uh, but, oh, you know, you can also get bulbs on sale for lilies that will bloom this year uh not as strongly as like when you've got that big one gallon container and it sits in the in the soil for an entire year the flowers are amazing the next year the first year from the bulbs you'll get good flowers but it takes a couple years really to get get going and also annuals uh this uh many nurseries have started to uh, mark down annuals if you haven't filled your your containers completely, like me, uh, and and you've got spots for for things, this is just a great time to go out and take a look around. Uh, and you you know me, I'm a cheapskate. I want to find these these deals, and there's lots of deals to be had out there, and they're going to continue here into the summer. And my garden is is actually never finished. You know, any time that I can find last last year and the year before, I found like flats of begonias at the end of the season, you know, we're talking August for for $2 for a flat, but I was able to get those in there. And because we have a longer season, you got August, September, and October, three months for a begonia to do its thing. Uh, and so uh, go out there and find some great deals. You know, it might be a good way to get something for Dad. Uh, any callers, Rob? You know what? We do have some callers, so let's go to uh, Mary Ann. She calling today from Youngstown, Ohio. Hi, Mary Ann. Morning. How are you? Good. How are you? What's your question for Doug? Um, okay, as I told your screener, not about the garden. So far, so good. I have the deer out, so that that's a big deal. Um, hydrangea. Okay, I've had this hydrangea. My mom, God rest her soul. Put it in about 20 years ago, and for the first couple of years, it did fairly well. And for the past, oh, Jesus, for about the past 10 years, it will not bloom. It will not bloom. The earwigs get into it, destroy the blooms. I've dusted it with seven 
I've trimmed it back in the fall down to like a foot. So what does she do, Doug? Tell me. Well, uh, this is the number one question uh, that we get. Why doesn't my hydrangea bloom? And first off, we never, assuming that it is one called macrophylla, that's a, a Latin name that, that tells us what kind of hydrangea it is, it means that the buds are formed right after the blooms or in midsummer, basically. And if you do trim it back, you're trimming the buds off. So first off, let's not trim it. Secondly, the other thing that really stops them from blooming is midwinter will get a thaw, those buds will swell, and then they will freeze out. And so what we want to do is protect those buds, and it's a pain. Uh, and so what I'm doing is I'm surrounding the outside of my hydrangeas with some tomato steaks and some burlap. And so that stops those, those cold winter winds from freezing out those buds. And the other thing that I would suggest would be uh, fertilizing with something that wants that, that is formulated to make something flower. And so that would be something w w out there called flower tone. It's from a spoma. It's very easy to find. It's very inexpensive. And as I said, you know, and it's the same in my garden. You know, the, the deer will get after the buds also. Anything that affects those buds is going to affect the flowers. All right, we got a break coming up. We'll check some sports. And then Doug as a very special guest you don't want to miss for the next two segments. This is The Organic Gardener on Odyssey, 100.1 FM, AM 1020, KDKA. Hey, we're back, folks, for trying to reach our guest uh, via international. That's right, uh, the Isle of Man. And if we get Tanya, we'll get her on the air. But if we don't, we're going to continue to forge ahead and do what we do. On this, the Organic Garden, part of Rob Press Sunday, talk to you folks. So let's get to Martha. Martha, you're up next for Doug on KDK. Mm. How are you? Good, good morning, Rob and Doug. Doug, I would like to know, when can I transplant peonies? Well, you know, they don't like to be transplanted, but if they have to move, the very best time to do it is right when they pop up early in the spring, when you see those kind of little red sprouts coming up uh, and uh, other than that even then they're going to it's going to take them a couple of years to, to, to bounce back after that and so when do they have to be moved is there something happening no no I just wanted to change where they were <laughs> you know I would I, can... I, I would keep them where they're at if if it's at all possible, and then if you wanted some other peonies somewhere else, maybe go out and get a few cool-looking ones and stick them over in another spot just because, oh, they just don't like to be moved. It can be done. I, I, I did it once in my old garden, and it took three years for those blooms to come back, and I often tell this story how I planted it, and I thought it was the perfect spot, but it ends up that it was uh, third base where my kids were playing baseball, and some kid got stuck on third base, and I was waiting for those buds to bloom, and the kid just popped them right off. And so I had one bud left that drove me crazy. So I, I wouldn't move it unless you absolutely had to. All right, Rob. Oh, uh, okay, thank you. All right, 866-391-1020, number to dial. So, Doug, let's talk about some of the, the things that are happening in your world. Obviously, you're going to enjoy Dad's Day today, but you're always out and about visiting our wonderful sponsors, and you've got some seminars, and you're always writing at DougOster.com, doing videos. You've got trips coming up. So there's a lot going on in your world, is there not? 
Yeah, and the one thing I wanted to talk about when I was out at the nurseries was that I've been seeing a lot of people coming in uh, dealing with fungal issues and especially on tomatoes. And so if you see the bottom of your tomato plant, the leaves turning yellow with brown spots and the uh, the bottom leaves kind of kind of drying up is, is, is how it's explained. That that that's something called uh, early blight or septoria leaf spot. And it's very common when you have a, a wet, humid um, year. And, and so we want to remove that infected foliage and then also treat the plant with an organic fungicide, which you could find at your local nursery. But the thing about this, this problem with the, the tomatoes, it doesn't kill the plant. It just kind of slows it down. And that's something that we, we deal with in our area. Those fungal spores are in the ground. They're always going to be there. But one of the things that I do to, to beat fungal diseases is I continue to plant tomatoes. And so even this late into the season, all the way up to July 4th, I will continue to plant because the, the tomatoes that are in there now that we planted early in May, we had cold, rainy weather, and that's the perfect storm for a, uh, a, a disease like these fungal diseases that tomatoes get. And so by putting in a tomato that puts on tomatoes really quick, like 4th of July, early girls, sun gold, other cherries, patio tomatoes. You just look at the tag and it says, you know, anywhere from 50 days to 60 some days until fruition from planting. You can stick that plant in or a big plant in, you know, that'd be a great thing for Father's Day. Bring this big giant tomato plant all filled with tomatoes and say, dad, just stick it in. And in about three weeks, you'll have tomatoes. But that that's that's one of the issues we're dealing with with all this rain, but we're also dealing with slugs. And the slugs have been after my beans. You might think it's a rabbit, you know, with beans especially. Uh, but if the stem is still there, what, what will happen with a slug will just kind of crawl up that stem and start eating the, the leaves. And so there's a couple things that I'm using for slugs for organic control. I happen to have a bunch of what's called diatomaceous earth and on the microscopic level this uh, this powder it's completely organic of course but on the microscopic level it's very sharp and so when a slug crawls over it it pierces the slug and then the slug it, it, it's gone uh, the other thing that you can use there's a, a, a product called sluggo and it basically overdoses uh, the 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 slug on iron. Uh, and so anything that's left over there that the slug doesn't eat will just kind of dissolve into the ground, and the plants love the iron. Any calls, Rob? No, but I'm going to ask folks to give us a call. We'll take some of those calls coming up in our third segment, and Mrs. Know-It-All will be here. Number to dial is 866-391-1020. What do you say uh, you share some of the uh, recent questions that maybe some of your listeners have given you, Doug? And you can do that by going to DougOster.com, and he always sticks around for a little bit after the show to answer questions, Doug. Well, we're, we're talking a lot. I get a lot of questions about one of the questions we've already answered, hydrangeas, this time of the year uh, with hydrangeas. And the one thing that we need to talk about when we're talking about why my hydrangea doesn't bloom uh, is thinking about planting some other types of hydrangeas. So I, I said that one, you know, it's got hydrangea macrophylla, but that's, that's the common name would be the mop head. That's the one that, that is the trickiest to get to bloom. But there's all these other varieties, uh, oak leaf hydrangeas and uh, Annabelle-style uh, hydrangeas uh, 
some that bloom on old wood and new wood. So when you're going to the nursery, take a look. Uh, I love the the uh, the hydrangeas um, from that Annabelle series. There's a, a, a technical Latin name for it that I'm not going to go into right now, but. Uh, I grow one called White Dome, and I've got four of them out on the other side of the uh, of the vegetable garden, and it's just filled with no matter what happens, it's filled with these white blooms. Now you're not going to get pink or blue, but you're getting these great white blooms, and they are great pollinate. They're a great pollinator plant, and so they're just opening now, and they're just going to be covered with bees. Uh, and as I said. Uh, it's not too late to plant. There's, you know, annuals and vegetables. You know, don't think that you've missed your window if you didn't get things in on Memorial Day. Like we talked at the top of the show, we've got all this stuff that's going to be on sale, and uh, we can swoop in there and, and, and add this to our garden, continue to plant. Uh, when we continue to plant, you know, when we plant all on the same day, it's just like you're putting all your eggs in one basket. But when we continue to plant, we've got different weather conditions, di- different pest conditions, uh, and, and it just it will make your garden more successful, Rob. All right, we got about a minute before the break. We got a lot of folks that want to talk to Doug. We're going to do that in the third segment. You and Mrs. Know It All, what are you going to be getting into today, Doug? Well, it's this uh, awful disease called rose rosette, and I can't wait to to ask her about it because. Uh, this rose rosette disease, uh, it's terrible. It's easy to identify, but it's fatal to roses. And Mrs. Know-It-All is going to give us all the information we need to know about how to, to identify your rose if it has this problem and then what, what to do uh, about it and which roses get this more than other uh, varieties. All right, sounds good. Listen, got Boris coming up with the news at the bottom of the hour. Then we'll come back. All these calls waiting for Doug. Got that great Janoski's gift certificate to give away on this Father's Day. Mrs. Know-It-All will be here. And then it's the Coons Cooking Hour. All sorts of great ground meat recipes today. Meatloaf, chili, hamburgers, cheeseburgers, and more. We're going to put it on the grill. We're going to put it in the oven. We're going to cook up something delicious for Dad. Give you a chance to phone in and talk about maybe some of the favorite things that your dad loves to eat on this day or maybe some memories about your father as well and some of his delicious treats on his day or during mealtime throughout the week and being a part of his life in that household growing up. And then it's uh, Heffern Tillotson's Your Money and You, then a one-hour edition of the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday Show, Pirate Baseball today, 12.05 against Cleveland. Odyssey, 100.1 FM, AM 1020, KDK. That game, by the way, also going to be simulcasted on 93.7 The Fan. All right, we'll take the 10th caller right now. Win an incredible $25 gift certificate to Janoski's in Clinton. They open today at 9 and every day at 9, and they'll be there for Father's Day. So if you're the 10th caller, you get that $25 gift certificate, 412-922-1020. Back to Doug, and across the Atlantic we go. Doug? Oh, so excited that we've got Tanya Anderson of Lovely Greens, the author of A Woman's Garden on the show from the Isle of Man, one of my favorite places in the world. And, Tanya, how did you get started on this book? Because it is an amazing, amazing book. I got started on the book just by gardening in the style that I enjoy, just lots of different plants with different uses. I was always interested in, in how beauty products were made, and I taught myself how to make handmade soap. And so I wanted to grow things that I could use in making soap. And then... I was hugely inspired by some of the gardens here on the Isle of Man, and in particular, Craigniche, which is a a folk village, a a preserved village from the 19th century. 
and there are little gardens behind each of the cottages and the types of plants that are growing there as well not only feature in the book and some of the photographs but have really inspired me and my outlook on plants and how did you connect with all the other women in the book you know, that's an interesting question, and it's definitely a 21st century connection, and it was mainly through Instagram. There's one lady who I'm a customer of, and I've, I've purchased botanicals off of her for years. The rest I met online, and I've actually not yet met any of the women in, in person. Huh. Oh, except for one, Rekha. I have, I have met her. Oh, that's amazing. And and talk about just basically what the book is, looking at all these different gardens, and and why women? Why women? So going back to Craigneesh, the folk village, the way that it's laid out is that there are little cottages and with small back gardens, and in the 19th century, that is where the household would grow all of their medicine, their their different herbs, like culinary herbs cut flowers for the church in the village, pretty much everything. There, there wasn't a, a grocery store. There, there wasn't a nearby doctor. And while the men were out fishing or working in the fields, it was the women's kind of responsibility to keep those plants for the home going. And there's been this tradition over time of women cultivating plants for family and home and personal wellness. But it's really become a hot topic. And I think women in particular are growing plants for wellness. And I've seen women start to specialize in this. And this is, this is where I, I kind of picked it up through, through Instagram, that connection with this long legacy of growing useful plants in the past. And it's now happening again now. And I wanted to show what some other women are doing just to be able to inspire anyone, no matter who you are, to grow specific types of plants, plants that you can use to clean the home, plants you can use for herbalism, for making skin care, for natural dyeing, which is an absolutely fascinating craft. Well, I saw a couple projects in there that I was pretty excited about. The pasta with uh, herbs and then floral ice cubes. Well, the idea with that is that not only are we able to grow beautiful ornamental plants, but we can eat them as well. And with ice cubes, you can preserve blossoms that are very transient. You know, they, they would bloom maybe in spring. And you can preserve them all year round and then take that ice cube out later in the summer and enjoy it and that memory of the plant that was blooming, say, in April. So we got kitchen garden, culinary herbs. Your your uh, chapter is plants for skin care. Now that that interests me. Yes, and I think it interests a lot of people. I had a spot on BBC Gardener's World just focused on that, and there is this mystique around beauty products, so skin creams and lotions, handmade soap, hair care that the botanicals that we see on fancy packaging and bottles, it's just so far removed from who we are and what we can actually grow. But the reality is, is that we can indeed grow a lot of the plants that have been used traditionally for skin healing and skin therapy and use them to make our own handmade skincare products. And it, it, 
it is somewhat involved, but I lead you through some of the projects in the book. We're talking to Tanya Anderson from Lovely Greens. Tanya, what do you want people to get out of this book when they read it? I want them to realize that no matter what space or what size space you have, you can grow a garden that is not only ornamental, beautiful, but also practical. And I want people to be intrigued and interested in the possibilities of plants, the ways that we can enjoy them aesthetically, but also for home, for health, and for creativity. And what's the best way for people to connect with you? My website and my YouTube, you'll find by Googling Lovely Greens, and you'll find out loads on there about me and the book, about the Isle of Man, which you love so much, and uh, <laughs> yes, a, a bit more about, yeah, and a bit more about just growing practical plants. Uh, the book is called A Woman's Garden by Tanya Anderson. Look up Lovely Greens. Connect with her online. She has an awesome presence. Tanya, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm sorry we didn't have quite as much time as we thought we would. but uh, <laughs> We, we got sure... there in the end with the international calling. <laughs> we'll, we'll have you back. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you for having me, Doug. Love having you on from the Isle of Man. It's great. If you'd like to win a copy of Tanya's book. All you need to do is go to DougOster.com, click on that contact button, and just say a women's garden, and you will be you will be entered for a random drawing. Mrs. Know-It-All coming up next. Ah, uh, yes, he is, and it's that time again, right, Doug? That's right. Time for Mrs. Know-It-All. That's horticulturalist Denise Shriver. And Denise, you're going to tell us all about Rose Rosette disease. Start off yeah. by 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 telling us how devastating this problem can be. Yeah, it really is. You know, um, multiflora rose, you see it along roadsides and farmland, and it used to be used as uh, to keep cattle from escaping uh, the farm, and it spread, and the seeds actually last for over 20 years, and it gets spread all over the place by animals chewing on it, like deer who like roses. But the problem is this disease actually also affects ornamental roses. And the multiflora rose is actually highly susceptible to this. And it's spread by a virus that's carried by a little mite called Phyllocotes frutophilus. How's that for a mouthful? And it's a wingless mite, and it moves by crawling or by blowing in the wind. But it also will come on your clothing, your tools, you know, animals walking by. So uh, it spreads very easily, probably easier than the coronavirus. And they mature very quickly, and several generations are actually produced every year. So what you'll notice on your roses, and I've had it, is you'll get these like clusters of flowers or leaves, very short as opposed to the normal growth of the rose, and it's red. Like the stem is red, the leaves are red, the flowers are red, even if it's not a red rose. And they become deformed and crinkled. And then you'll start to see uh, death on the branches and the shoots. And this can spread like 30 feet away just on the wind alone. Mm -hmm. So your roses might be fine, but if your neighbor has it, it can actually spread from them. So one of the things you can – there is no treatment 
for, and unfortunately, they are looking at breeding roses that are resistant, but so far they haven't gotten one that's you know actually resistant. So you prune your roses late in the winter or early spring, very early spring. Uh, the mites will overwinter in the flower buds and the seed heads, which are the rose hips. If people don't know what that is, that little uh, orange ball on the roses, and plant them in an area where they don't get a lot of wind so it's not transmitted that way and keeps the space in between your roses if you're growing a lot of people grow several varieties of roses so you want to keep the space in between them if you have multiflora rose on your property rip it out and the one thing about it is if you do have a rose that's affected by it cut off what you can Take a heavy-duty garbage bag, pull it over the rows all the way to the ground, and cut it there. And then tie it up. You either burn it or you bag it. There's no composting. There's no shredding it, nothing. It's got to go. And then you have to dig out the entire root. And the problem with that is you can still miss a little tiny piece of root, just one of those thin roots, and it will actually survive in that root for at least five years so you can't plant another rose there which is really sad you know and obviously you know i grow roses i had one several years ago that was affected and it was my grandmother's plant and i was really sad but i couldn't let it affect any of the others so that's something people got because now this is when you're going to start seeing it is you know they're going to be transmitted by the wind the rain you know i don't know about you but we've had a ton of rain over on my side of town so that's what people have to do don't plant another rose there there are no resistant varieties plant another shrub or leave it bare so what how do i tell the difference between normal new growth and rose rosette disease because i I get a lot of questions where people just see new growth that has that color in it but well the one thing with uh the rose rosette disease is they're going to be very the new growth will be very short and very clustered like a witch's broom is what they call it and everything's going to be red now if you have a rose and you're just seeing some red on the new leaves that's fine because a lot of the roses will come out that way, but they should turn green. In rose rosette disease, they stay at like a dark red, and it's a cluster. And you're going to have deform- – and actually the branches will be deformed, the flowers will be deformed, and that's how you know you have it. And that plant has to go for sure, right? I mean, there's no Absolutely. Okay. I know people that are trying to save it. Well, I'm going to cut off, you know, this branch yeah. and that. And, you know, with your tools – Absolutely, you have to disinfect them and your clothes, which, you know, is unusual with a plant disease. But you absolutely have to take those clothes off and wash them immediately so you don't transmit it if you have any other roses. So what else has been going on in your garden with all this rain? Have you had some problems or are things going good? (laughs) Okay, so people are going to laugh, but I actually just got my garden planted on Friday. (laughs) Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Actually, it is because so so far I have missed the bean beetles and the uh, cucumber beetles. Um, mm-hmm. So it was just there's been a lot, we're doing some remodeling and we did painting and just family stuff going on. So I just got it planted. So if you if you haven't planted yet, 
Go right ahead. You still have time. Well, that should make people feel pretty good, actually, because if even Mrs. Know-it-all, life gets in the way from her garden. It's it's no big deal if it gets in the way for other people, too, right? And, and you know, the weather has played a big factor because we had all yeah. those really high temperatures. We hadn't had rain, and or we'd have torrential downpours, and then it would be too wet to work in the garden. Then we went back right. up to, you know, those high temperatures again. So as a result... <laughs> I just didn't get it in. All right. All right, Mrs. Know-it-all. Thanks, as always. Good information about that rose rosette disease. Boy, if your rose gets that, dig that thing out and get rid of it. So I will be answering questions after the show. Just go to DougOster.com. And remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. All right, there he goes, Doug Oster. Another great job. Stay with us, Boris. He's got the news at 8, and then we're rolling out all those ground meat recipes, meatballs, hamburgers. We're talking meatloaf, chili. We're talking tacos and more. If you have a favorite recipe on this Father's Day, when it comes to ground meat recipes, you need to call us. Right now, 866-391-1020. Some lucky listener is going to take home a $25 gift certificate from Coons Market. All next on Rob Pratt Sunday, three minutes away from Boris and that news at 8 a.m. Good morning. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.